1989 was a great time for hard rock and metal music. A slew of new bands were emerging on the scene, and sleazy rock and roll seemed to be the thing. While sleaze rock started to become somewhat of an oversaturated genre, bands like Circus of Power, Dangerous Toys, Rhino Bucket, and a band that features this lead vocalist that I'm psyched to have on the show. So, uh, with that being said, I'd like to welcome David Roach of Junkyard to Blowin' Wind. So, David, how you doing, man? Um, you're doing well, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, I have to tell you, um, I wish I could go back in time and tell my, uh, you know, 16-year-old self I'd be talking on the phone to the singer for Junkyard, because I'd, you know, I wouldn't believe it, man. <laughs> I was a huge fan back in the day, man. Yeah, I wish I could go back to 1989 sometimes, too. <laughs> I'd have done things a little differently. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a, well, well, that's that's a cool way to start out. Like, t- tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Like, what, what what are some of the things you would do differently back in? Oh, the, I don't know. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. Everybody would have done something <clears throat> differently in their life. Thirty, looking back, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> trade a thing. I wouldn't trade a thing. It was a good experience. Still is. Man, it was a great time because I tell you, you know, 89, I was a, gosh, I was a sophomore in high school and, you know, bands like, you know, I I had just moved to Atlanta from New Orleans and like I Mm -hmm. said, like right around that time was when, like the bands I just listed were really just starting to kind of just pop out and just come, you know, come into the forefront and, you know, you guys all kind of offered this nice alternative to like you know like you know i was a big fan of the metal you know maiden and priest and venom and cooper and stuff like that but then i also liked the glam you know like i liked poison and rat and you know stuff Mm -hmm. like that but but there was something about like you know junkyard and rhino bucket and dangerous toys and bands like like i said that you guys kind of fit right it's almost like you scratched that itch that was right in between like was yeah. that something well, not that, all of this could be not all of us were pretty enough to uh pull that off so uh <laughs> we had to dirty it up a little well that's what i was gonna ask you about because because that was one of the things that i think kids my age appreciated because i was very far from a good looking kid i had horrible hair i had bad skin you know and i had you know but then all of a sudden like i looked at like bands like junkyard and dangerous toys and i'm like i could look like that (laughs) that's kind of cool man like so at the time did you guys kind of know that you were you were onto something or was it just a kind of a very natural thing where it was just like this is us well, I think it was kind of a natural thing. I mean, we, we really don't dress too differently than we did back when we were, you know, in punk rock bands and stuff. It was pretty much T-shirt and jeans. So, you know, we embellished a little bit with with our uh, patch vest and, and stuff like that. But, I mean, you know... I mean, we, you know, it was it was it's important to have a certain kind, you know, some kind of look, you know, some kind of cohesiveness to the band, and uh, you know, we just didn't want to do the, you know, we couldn't afford to and didn't want to do that slick, pretty boy image, you know, we, were, you know, we, you know, that we wanted to dress more like what represented what we were really like. So we could go on stage, be rolling out of bed, and not have to go to the wardrobe, you know. <laughs> it made made life a lot less complicated. Just to be able to just be oh, like, here yeah. we are. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you don't have your stage clothes and your street clothes. It's all one big 
bag of dirty laundry. <laughs> you know, and the funny thing is, uh, believe it or not, one of the things that actually um, brought Junkyard to my attention was um, I remember there was a clip of you guys on, on M it was like MTV or MTV News or something, and it mm -hmm. was like you guys that were doing a tour with the Black Crows at the time, who right. you know, obviously were from Atlanta, who were real hot, right. and I was just like, dude, who's this band? I gotta check out this Junkyard band. <laughs> like, is it kind of like looking back on it, like with that tour with the Black Crows, um, mm -hmm. Because they were kind of the same kind of deal at the time, you know? Like, they were kind of like this kind of rough-around-the-edges band that just kind of did their kind of sleazy Stones rock thing. Like, did you guys have an idea, like, watching them, of what they would eventually become? Or was it just they were just like I another had, band? No, I mean, there was obviously something special about them. And, I, you know, that can be said with all the bands you mentioned and, you know, several others that we haven't mentioned. Some of them will never see the light of day and, you know, some of them <clears throat> did fairly well. But it was just anything that wasn't that cookie-cutter kind of thing that was going on in L.A. at the time. Stood out. That's why Circus of Power stood out, Raging Slab, uh, you know, bands like the Black Crows. I mean, they really had something, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that it would go to the point where it is with the Chris Robinson Brotherhood and everything. I, was, I couldn't have seen that coming, but, uh, you know, everybody's got their musical journey, right? None of us, actually, I think early Black Crow saw it coming, but at the same time, if you would have told me I would have been a, a Grateful Dead fan at 16, I would have slapped you in the face, you know? Like, it's all just, it's like this evolution. It's weird, you know? Yeah, but no, I mean, they stood out the same way, you know, I guess we did an extent, a lot of those bands that you mentioned, just because we weren't, like I said, that, that cookie cutter, like what the, the, the America's vision of what a Hollywood rock and roll band was, you know. And one of the things I was always, like, that I loved about, because actually the last time, and only time I ever saw Junkyard was, I think it was 89, maybe 90. I always get the year mixed up, because, you know, the older we get, the years. In Atlanta? Yeah. It was like you guys oh, yeah. and uh, Dangerous Toys. Uh-huh. That was, like, yeah. one of the best shows I remember. Like, to this day, that show sticks in my mind as being, like... Wow, you just don't see yep. bills like that anymore. You know what was that club called? Uh, was it Center Stage Theater? Center Stage, right? Yeah, we played there a couple of times with the Crows and Dangerous Boys. Yeah, we always had a good time in Atlanta. I remember, or <laughs> just as as well as my memory serves me, which is not that well. But uh, I just remember Atlanta being a freaking party. <laughs> you know, well, it's gonna be so cool to see you guys here after so long. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, definitely. And, and, I have to say, man, I, I gave the, the new album a listen, and it's like, well, first off, it blew my mind that to do the math, it's been 26 fucking years since your last yeah. studio album, and it, like, if I listened to that album, like, right after, you know, sixes, sevens, and nines, like, it almost didn't seem like there was a beat missed, like, like, how, how, like why now? to make the album, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, there hasn't been a lot of emotional growth, has there, in 26 years? <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> I don't know, why now, why now, why not? You know, everybody, you know, was it, lots of bands from that era are enjoying a little bit of, uh, you know, not, still, not, not nostalgia, you know, success or whatever. So, you know, and I go out and give it, you know, give it another shot and so we had a um we 
kind of been approached to do an album a couple years ago. It didn't pan out, but the result was we wrote a bunch of songs anticipating a record deal uh-huh. and uh, eventually kind of stumbled upon one, you know, more about, you know, out of dumb luck than actually seeking a deal. We, we were like actively trying to find a record label. We were just kind of doing our thing and hoping some would come our way. Right. Which it did with acetate, luckily. I mean, it has to feel good, too, like you said, in a sense, because, like, you know, even though you're kind of channeling a sense of, you know, I mean, you can call it nostalgia, but it's really funny because, like, when I feel like bands like you guys are able to still, like, produce new music, you know, 26 years later and and, and kind of rekindle, like, a spark in like a fan like me who all of a sudden is like dude I hadn't thought of going to a junkyard show in like years and like now all of a sudden I'm psyched and I want to buy a shirt and you know like replace the one that like my mom ruined in the dryer back when I was in high school and shit you know like so that's got to be kind of cool for you guys though to kind of see that like even after all this time that it's kind of that whole you know what comes around goes around you know yeah, it absolutely is, and I'm and I, I'm not trying to uh, degrade, you know, to make it you know less of a deal than it is by calling them a nostalgia oh, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's you know it's a it's a it's a rock and roll record, and it you know it's I think it's it's you know not you say rock and roll and relevant in the same sentence, but you know it's. It, you know, um, we, America needs a good rock and roll record right now, you know, and some good rock band. So having Rhino Bucket putting on another record and, you know, Broken Teeth and stuff like that coming out. And Frickers of Power had another record, Little Caesar. You know, it's, it's cool. It's good. It's good for rock and roll. It's good for music. I think it is, too. And I think it's good for those of us who, who, who remember it because you guys weren't out, you guys weren't riding like that top wave. You guys were just kind of like that right below the surface enough to yeah. where like, you know, kids like kids like me, like we're able to grasp onto it and just be like, you know, this is something pretty cool and, you know, pretty special because it was it was real. It was raw. It was like kind of like what you said. It was gritty. It wasn't pretty. And, you know, like, well, and that's probably, you know, that might have been the the blessing and not reaching that higher, you know, that top tier of bands, you know, that kind of got swallowed up in the fame or whatever, or weren't able to keep it together. I mean, you know, we always had one foot in the in the gutter, so to speak. You know, I mean, working regular jobs, and you know, we all had to do what we had to do to survive over the years. So we, you know, are. We always were kind of had our heads and our legs planted in reality, and so we're still able to write about, you know. Yeah, because I mean, stuff, it's, you know, the everyday man, you know, blue collar shit, you know. Right, because that w- essentially was was exactly what you guys were and what you guys came from and what what you pretty much still are, you know. Yep. And so, like, with with that being said, though, like, well, one of the things you did mention, which I thought was kind of cool, was that you said there were like there were like a lot of other bands too that 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 never really got to even like the level to, of where like bands like you know like we said like Junkyard and uh, you know Circles of Power and all them oh. who, are, who are some of those bands like that like we never got to hear of that you look back on and say like y'all should have been up here with us oh uh, well um, I mean a lot of the, there there were a lot of uh, 
quality bands that were about as big as us. You know, they we did res- we all did sort of respectably well and had the opportunity to tour and go to countries we normally would have never have been able to uh, afford to go to on vacations or anything. <laughs> so, so, but, but I mean, you know, there's always in every kind of musical scene and and setting you know there's there's great artists that'll that music will never be heard you know i mean i could list a few bands from la like the little kings and miracle workers bands you've never heard of that 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 um that should have been you know could have been but it's you know it's it's a crapshoot you know who who gets you know for whatever reason you know some some of the best talent just gets slapped by the wayside and some of the you know less talented bands you know reach stardom so like i said it's a crapshoot it's a it's a crazy business oh it totally is you know and it's like you know and kind of going into that too like one another thing i want to touch on that i love what you said was you know you're talking about bands like yourselves and like you know um you know broken teeth and little caesar and all this stuff like these bands are still thriving and making new music which keeps them Mm -hmm. like relevant like so when you hear these the kind of like upper heads say shit like you know oh rock and roll's dead or you know whatever Mm -hmm. like that like does that just kind of make you roll your eyes or like what, what do you what's your take on that whole like frame of thought I don't I mean I don't know I mean I'm not going to stand here and say rock and roll is what it was 20 or 30 years ago but I I think it's it's obvious you know guitar centers are going out of business Uh, kids are you know festivals like Coachella there's uh, you know there's more keyboards and computers than there are guitars anymore and it's just kind of the way the world is and it seems like rock and roll has become uh less of a it's it had more mass appeal back then than it does now i think a lot of has to do with the kids today with social media and everything they don't have the patience to learn a a craft like guitar playing or drumming and stuff Mm -hmm. that's just my theory i could be completely off and you know and rock and roll never i mean there'll always be there'll always be an audience for it I'm not saying that it's dead by any means either but you know I think that it it doesn't have the mass appeal that it did like in the 70s and 80s you know it's so true because like we can you know we saw it kind of you know peak and then you know in the like the late 80s early 90s and stuff and then all of a sudden like you know you know everyone talks about the big grunge attack and everything but like I always personally looked at the big grunge thing as like to me, that was just another cycle of life kind of setting, like in music in general. I mean, do you kind of right. agree with that, yeah. or do you think that it was like, oh, grunge came in and like killed rock and roll or whatever? Like, no, I think it blew it up. I think it kind of, it kind of, you know, everything evolves, everything changes, and I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the rock and roll industry become kind of homogenized, and everything was starting to look and sound the same. I mean, I said it before in our on our. Uh, the video from our second record uh, all the time in the world uh-huh. I felt like the production of it and you know having a wardrobe and shit I could see the writing on the wall I was like this isn't us this doesn't feel right and you know the song was okay but I just felt like the, you know I felt like the record company was already turning us into Warren every other band you know uh-huh. and I'm not slagging any of those guys either but that's not who we were and uh, but it was like everything was starting to look like 
everybody was looking like everybody else. Like some of the hip hop videos, you can't tell one from the other because they all look the same, you know. And right. and Nirvana and grunge kind of blew that whole thing up and, and kind of re, you know, and you know, almost that um, the punk rock ideology where you know you want to get a band together, you can get a band together. You know, mm-hmm. you don't have to play. Guitar like Ingve Malmsteen. If you write a good song like Kurt Cobain, you know, then you can you can still <laughs> be successful. So you know, a lot of people I know hate grunge, but I think it was kind of a necessary thing to to, like I said, just blow out blow out the monotony or whatever, or, or the you know, kind of first rock and roll become or you know, the heavy metal scene become. You know, it's interesting because, like, I love how you stated that because I totally remember watching the world premiere video for that uh, All the Time in the World on Headbangers Ball. Mm -hmm. And when it came on, I just remember thinking, like, wow, that's the band that sang blues? Like, that's crazy. Like, but I loved the song, and I went, of course, I bought the album, and even to this day, I still love the record. But, like, I could even see exactly what you were saying by looking at it at the time. Like, Like, I just remember thinking, like, they didn't choose to dress like that, you know. Oh what I mean? yeah, no, no, man. No, this dude gave me they they gave us like five hundred bucks a piece to buy some fancy clothes, and I got this uh, that jacket made, yeah, like yeah, like uh, snakeskin uh, collar and shit. I wore that thing once for the video, and I lent it to a friend like the next night, and. He brought it back and it had like cigarette burns in it. I said, just keep it. I don't even, I don't even care. But, <laughs> That's uh, a great story. But, yeah. But just prancing around on that video stage, you know, I just felt like, God, man, I'm selling myself to the devil right now. I can feel him breathing down my neck. Well, it's so funny because I feel like the same thing happened with Raging Slab. Was like, you know, I remember like when that first video, the first time I saw them for like the Don't Dog Me video, they were so like yeah. grungy and just yeah. dirty on yeah. that flatbed truck and that dog pissing on the side of the road. And then like yeah. the next album, it was them with Gary Coleman in the video, and I was like, whoa, uh, like fans blowing uh, their hair and shit. I don't remember that? Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Gr- I don't remember that, but no, that's what they'll that's how they'll do you, man. That record company, man, and you keep doing things you didn't think you'd ever, and you just, and you know, I, you know, I was just a kid, and you know, out of my mind half the time on one thing or the other, and I was just like, oh, whatever, you know, just roll with it, you know. But like I said, hindsight, twenty being twenty twenty, we've done things a little bit different and, and taken a little more control over the direction things were going, you know. But the, funny the reality thing, of it is, that I think we had more in t- we had more in common with the grunge artists than we did with the the glam artists, you know. Well, yeah, because like, yeah, not, you, not musically, not, but as your, far as the attitude about music, your mentality was very similar in the sense that, like, you know, like we, you know, we, you know, we pretty much can roll out of the garage and play a show. Like, we were not trying to do, like, like a slick production here, you know what I mean? Like, and, you know, it was interesting to see so many bands like that, you know, happen to, but I have to ask you, because I've always wanted to ask somebody from, I'm so glad I got to talk to you, though, because, you know, you've always been one of my favorites, but, uh, like, 
from your perspective, like when you started to look out and see bands like Buck Cherry come out, did you, did, did part of you look at them and go like, fuck you, dude, I was doing that better than you before you, like, I, I should be, oh, I should no. be as big as you, like, no, you know? no, 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 that's fine, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm glad, you know, because I'm glad there was still some rock and roll out there. I mean, because like <clears throat> when we got when we got dropped, like with everybody else after the grunge thing happened, uh-huh. you know, there was only a handful of rock bands that slipped through the cracks, and you know they were one of them. So more power to them, I say. You know? So that's kind of cool because so then you kind of look at it like you know like saying like you know at that point it's more about like you know the attitude still prevailing you know as opposed to well, yeah like just, yeah you know being killed off you know right no like you said you know rock and roll will always be there you know and yeah more power to them and you know I always told my friends that I felt like rock and roll was like that cat that got hit by a car, you know, but like it's paw still just like move, it, like it won't die. It just keeps moving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, to some degree or another, you know, but like you guys are about to embark on this fucking crazy boat ride, this Monsters of Rock cruise. Like, I mean, what's your thoughts going into this like dude i don't know i don't know freaking i think i think it's i think it's cool and i love being able to play in front of that many people and and you know because we don't get to do it often i mean uh-huh. touring with leonard skinner was the biggest thing we ever did and um and the m3 festival last year was another one of the biggest audiences we played for so it's always awesome to reach that many people right but um but at the same time i'm kind of you know i'm kind of a homebody and i'm not really down with like the big crowd scenes and uh you know we're at shows at clubs and stuff it's easy to to mingle with the audience you know before after the you know i don't because we're available you know before the show, after the show, in the parking lot, wherever, you know, I'm just just rooting around, you know, killing time. Right. But something like something like that big, you know, where you're on the boat, you know, and you gotta be on with the fans like the whole time, you know, it's I guess there's a lifeboat if things get too crazy I could just <laughs> fail. But, nah. nah man, it'll be fun. You know, I I I got my cabin I could sequester myself to if things get too hairy, but you know, I like being around the you know, the the fans and shit. Plus there'll be forty forty other bands there, so it's not like I'm going to be the main attraction or anything. Right? Yeah, because it's funny because I was because I was looking I was looking at the lineup, and first off, like my, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, like, God damn, dude! Like, you know, when I was like, you know, sixteen, Jesus Christ, man! You know, Lillian Axe, Junkyard, Dangerous Toys, like Great White. You know, I was like, God damn, that would have been a fucking you know Tesla. That would have been the shit. You know, but then all of a sudden, I'm thinking like, but do I want to be trapped in? the middle of the ocean with all these people <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it'll be cool i think it'll be fun man i think it'll it, it, I, and, and I mean, like i said i mean half those people don't even know who i am anyway so it'll be like you know you can just like go kind of like wheeze off somewhere and no one will bug you yeah no. it'll be like spinal tap on the boat when uh when Duke, uh, what does Duke fame comes into the hotel and all the chicks are screaming and and Spinal Tap's like, oh here they come, here they come, and they just run right, <laughs> run right past, past them. The Duke fame. 
That's great, dude. Well, that's what you know, we'll start calling you Duke Fame from now on, man. <laughs> well, so like I said, man, after the, after this is over, it looks like you guys got kind of a like a little run of shows and everything. Like, are you pretty psyched? To, uh, I mean, I mean, again, especially being psyched that you guys are coming to Atlanta, which I'm psyched about. Like, are you looking yeah. forward to hitting some of these towns again after so long? Oh man, so yeah, totally. Also, we. We haven't been busy enough since the record came out. We had a little lull for whatever reason. Uh, we're kind of changing hands and booking agents and, and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I'm real excited to work a lot this year. I want to be all over the place. Well, so what else is in store for Junkyard? I mean, I mean, like besides, so you got the cruise, you got some other dates. I mean, like, so like, what else is going to yeah. happen for you guys? Just here and there, we're trying. Um, nothing's concrete yet. I mean, except for you know a couple shows here and there. We're doing uh, what are we doing? Uh, somewhere in, I think we're across Wisconsin and um, Minneapolis, and then we're doing an old Texas run in the summer. Uh, we're going to New York and Philly, and I think some other things in uh, 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 sometime with Search Power. Yeah, and uh, that Sleaze Festival that's kind of. Uh, in that M3 area uh-huh. like bands who didn't get on M3 are doing a sleazy Sunday rock thing I don't have a uh, I don't have a calendar in front of me which drives people crazy because they always ask where I'm playing I don't know it's uh, nah man yeah that. no it's one of those things that you know I, I run my own site dude so like as soon as I get information for, for you guys man I'll, I'll post it you know so cool. no, no stress Thanks on for- that dude I'll take all the help I can get. Oh, hey, man. Also, you know, we're hoping to make some connections on this uh, cruise and, um, you know, uh, get some other stuff booked. You know, we'll be exposed to a lot of promoters and and people that haven't seen us or heard of us for years. So, you know. I'm telling you, man. It's a great opportunity. I would kill for another Junkyard Dangerous Toys, like, anniversary tour or something because I haven't seen Dangerous Toys since, like, 91 man, you know yeah. which i think was the last time they, they might have been in atlanta was i think it was like 93 so like really? I'd, I'd, I'd love to see that something like that happen you know that'd be yeah. that'd be monstrous man well you never know it comes down the pike well so you know one of the things i always wanted to ask you was uh where were you the first time you saw your video on mtv for hollywood uh, shit, I don't remember. You mean like on MTV? Actually, yeah, I mean like uh, instead of asking you where you were at, like what do you remember thinking? Like, was, were you like just like, oh, like what was it like seeing yourself like that? You know, like was it just like fucking crazy or? It almost just doesn't feel real. I mean, because you you see these other bands and you realize that they're in the same boat you are. You know, probably economically and and. In, in every other sense uh, but for some reason they look like the real deal and I feel like uh, like I'm getting away with something or like it's not really real for me you know <laughs> like somehow you snuck into the party you know? <laughs> yeah and, and you know like like whenever I see real rock stars I go I'm always like kind of starstruck and you know and so I also I don't I don't consider myself a rock star, but you know people do get excited to take a picture with me or get my autograph or talk to me or whatever. And but I always I never under it, it, I always feel like I don't belong or something somehow. 
That's but, funny. Uh, that, that, I mean, I mean, obviously, that's such a, a a humble way to look at things. But do you think that having that kind of mentality is what kind of made the whole journey like as enjoyable as it was, and like maybe you didn't have such a bitter, like a bitterness at the end or whatever. You know what I mean? Like because you just kind of kept it humble. Well, yeah. I mean, I think you know. I'm 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 grateful that I didn't turn into a huge prick. You know, have enough success back then that I didn't turn into a huge prick and burn bridges and you know, piss people off and bum people out. You know, um, so yeah, you know, it's and it's like I said, it's still humbling. You know, and it's still yeah, it's still I, and maybe it makes me uh, want to try that much harder so because so I can feel like I I am you know, among, uh, you know, I don't know how to say it, you know, it's one of the, you know, a rock, you know, a rock and roll, people that people remember or people that mention when they say, you know, the top singers that they like or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, because like I said, as a, you know, you know, as a 16 year old hearing you guys was one thing, you know, but then also, like I said, being a, you know, I'm 44 now and the fact that I actually still care about you know junkyard or that I still I still get goosebumps when I hear Simple Man and stuff you know what I mean like that's a pretty powerful thing you know well yeah that's awesome I mean you know I mean because that's how I feel about a lot of bands too and it's just it's just it's it's hard for me to put myself in somebody else's shoes and and feel and that believe that somebody could feel that way about my music you know well I mean, it's awesome but it's just hard to believe for me but, you know. But that's cool, that's man. my psychosis. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, dude, what I love about that, though, is that it's cool because it makes someone like me appreciate it even more and make me look forward to, like, actually, you know, meeting you and shaking your hand. Because I totally remember, man, when you guys played Center Stage, me and my buddies, like, were waiting out by the back door with our, our Junkyard albums to get signed. And mm. my dad was, like, honking his horn, like, we gotta go! <laughs> <You know? laughs> I just remember being like, fog! And so now I'm like, like, okay, cool. So I will be bringing my Junkyard album with me when you guys are here. <laughs> oh, you never got it signed? I never got it signed, man. <laughs> so hopefully you can take care of that. I mean, I mean yeah, you know, since you're not that big of a rock star, you know. You know you, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can still catch me in the alley. Yeah. I hope they can make it to the show. And uh, we haven't really... I mean, we don't just get up there and go through the motions. I mean, every show's a, a new adventure. <laughs> so, uh, come on out. We'll make it worth your while. Well, so, with that said, what can we expect to hear at the show? Like, I mean, are we, we're going to hear a lot of the classics, too. Are we going to hear some of the new stuff yeah. as well? Like, what, you know? Yeah, we play, you know, what, four or five, four or five songs from the new album and, you know, the, the hits from the first album, you know, a lot of first, a lot of the first albums and second album you know 55 minutes of uh, all killer no filler oh, man and, and 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 finally and i have to ask you like what is one song that you never get tired of singing like no matter how many times you've sung it no matter how many times you've played it or been asked to sing it like what's the one tune you never get tired of oh i think blues i never get tired of here playing blues yeah Oh man, I never get tired of hearing it. I'm looking forward to hearing that one, dude. 
Right on. Well, David, thanks so much for doing the show. I appreciate it, man. I'll let you get packed up for the cruise, man. Don't forget your sunscreen. All right, John. Appreciate Don't forget your sunscreen. All right. Well, come on up and introduce yourself uh, in Atlanta. Man, I sure will, dude. Hey, man, thanks so much for taking the time to do this.